Scripture reading tonight is going to come from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. In a pew Bible in front of you, they'll be on page 980, 980. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 3 through 6. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippi was a congregation that met about 2,000 years ago. Paul was the instigator of that congregation. He was the one that first went to Philippi in Acts chapter 16 and preached the gospel to people. Lydia and her household were converted. The Philippian jailer and his household were converted. They were among the first members of the church in Philippi. And Philippi was an amazing congregation in a number of ways. They were generous to a fault from the very beginning. They helped Paul in his work, in his ministry. They were all about fellowship. But not only that, they truly loved one another as we just sang about. And when you read the words of Paul that Boone just read for us a moment ago, in Philippians chapter one, verses three through six, you can hear the bonds of friendship as Paul talks about the way that he prays for his brethren. Look again at Philippians one, verse three. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul thought about his brethren in Philippi and he thought about their friendship and he gave God thanks for that. It says in verse four, always in every prayer of mine, I make requests for you all with joy. He was joyful to think about his brethren in Philippi. When we talk about fellowship biblically, our fellowship is based on the blood of Jesus Christ, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. Because we share a common blood, the blood of Jesus, we have a relationship with each other. But friendship is an aspect of our relationships and our fellowship that is something that is often an underappreciated blessing. Because we have fellowship with one another, friendship ought to be a pursuit in all of our lives. I really believe that's a Bible principle. Turn over in your Bibles to Philippians 4 and look at verse 3. Philippians 4 and verse 3. There were two ladies named Yodia and Syntyche in the church at Philippi who were fussing with each other. It was causing something of a problem in the church. And in Philippians 4 verse 3, Paul says, I urge you also, true companion. Nobody knows who he's talking to specifically. But he says, I urge you, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. If you could get in a time machine and go back 2,000 years, and if you could look at the way that Paul interacted with his brethren, I guarantee that you would notice these people were friends. These people cared about each other. These people were interested in each other's lives. We need friends, don't we? I mean, the question ought to be obvious and it ought to imply the answer. Yes, absolutely, we need friends, but 
When you look at the way people are living in our country right now, we're kind of living like we don't. When you stop and think about it, we are glued to our handheld portable devices almost 24-7. Nothing inherently wrong with having a cell phone or a computer. But if I can just be blunt, we have in a lot of cases, we have substituted connections with people on social media for real face-to-face -face types of relationships. And it's kind of a subtle thing that happens in our lives. We have these connections with people that we've known over the years and we're keeping up with them and keeping up with their kids and maybe they live in a faraway place and that's all well and good and there's a place for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't misunderstand. But what's happened to us is that all of us as a society, and they've done studies about this, we are becoming more and more isolated from one another. It's great irony. The more connected we become electronically, the more isolated we become in terms of real face-to-face -face relationships. And let me just ask you to think in your own life. Who are your close friends? Who are the people that you know that you can count on, that you've invested in and have invested in you? Who are the people who are going to walk into your life and stand with you when everybody else walks out? When I read the Bible, brothers and sisters and friends, when I see what Paul and the Philippians were all about, I see people who had each other's backs. I see people who had invested in one another's lives, who had been in each other's homes. I see people who take the gospel seriously and who appreciate the blessing of friendship. And what I want us to do with our study tonight is this. I want us to think about the underappreciated blessing of friendship. We all need friends. And I want to talk practically about some things that every single one of us in this room need to think about. Just because you've got a group of people that are your friends doesn't mean that this lesson is not for you. It's not checkout time. There's a lot to think about biblically concerning this subject. Here we go. Five statements concerning friendship and underappreciated blessing. Statement number one. Friendship is an investment. It is an investment. And what I mean by that is this. It does not happen easily. It does not happen without intention. It does not happen without effort. If you don't put some intention and some effort into where you're going to invest your money, your finances, you're not going to see much of a return on your money. And if you don't invest much intention and effort into the blessing of friendship, and this is closely related with fellowship, if we're not going to do that, we're not going to see the blessings that God has in store for us as his people. Jesus. Jesus always had concentric circles around him when you read about his ministry in the Bible. He always had kind of an outer perimeter of people that were curious and maybe wondering about who this man is. He's doing miracles. He's saying things that sound very godly and, and we want to know more about him. And then you come in one circle and you had some people who were his loyal, devoted disciples. They believed in Jesus. They were going to follow him wherever he went. And they really trusted that he is the Messiah. And then you got to a really close inner circle, the 12. The apostles. Jesus called them one by one. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And they immediately left their nets and they left their tax collecting offices and they left the, the party of the zealots and they followed him. Judas and James and Peter and Andrew. They followed him, and 
they were the 12 he was training and so they were especially close to the Lord and then when you look at passages like Matthew 7 17 verse 1 and you look at Mark 5 verse 37 you find that there were three apostles out of the 12 that especially seemed to have an affinity a relationship a friendship with Jesus Peter James and John if Jesus took time with all the people that he had to deal with and all the people that he would teach and all the, all the different interests pulling at him, if he would take time to invest in these men and to be their friend and to let them be his friend, how much more do you and I, if we're going to be like our Savior? Think about that. It's an investment. What does it take to be a friend to someone? It takes time. We have to be in close proximity with one another and it just takes time. You know, <clears throat> with microwaves and, and instant communication all around the world, we want everything to happen really fast. But one thing about friendship, and I'm talking about real friendships, the kind that means something, the kind that are valuable, that are important, that are a blessing to our lives, there's no shortcut. John 13, 35, this, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. We need to spend time with each other, loving one another. Incidentally, it has been shown practically, women, they become friends, two ladies, face to face like this. Men, and men probably struggle with this a little more than women do. Men become friends this way, side to side. What do you mean by that, John? I mean, when men are involved in an activity, fishing, hunting, that's why men do those kinds of things to some, some degree. When we're involved in something that interests both of us and we're doing it side by side, we're spending time with each other, we're communicating with each other, that's how men become friends. Something to think about. What activity, what interest can we be involved in, can we be devoted to, where we can spend time with one another? They have done studies in recent years, most adult men in this country, and I would imagine quite a few in this room, are really lonely. They're really lonely and they're starved for the friendship of other men, especially the kind of friendship that will help them to exalt God together. We need to spend time with one another, brothers and sisters. It's about friendship, it's an investment. Next, it takes interest. I have to be interested in somebody else. Listen to me. The way that you become interesting to other people is to be interested in them. It's a paradox. I don't know why it works that way, but it works that way. If you want to be interesting to other people, all you got to do is be interested in them. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about what your days are like. Tell me about your relationships. Tell me about how you spend your time. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 that we are to esteem others better than ourselves in lowliness of mind. The way to be interested in other people is to be interested in them. And when you're interested in other people's lives, they'll come away from the conversation. Maybe you haven't said anything about yourself. Maybe you haven't had a chance to reveal who you are. But you know what? People are going to come away from that conversation. They're going to say, that fellow, that lady, they're really interesting because you listen because you invest, because you show interest in somebody else. Friendship, brothers and sisters, is an investment. And these kind of skills, we need to teach these. I'm convinced that these are becoming a lost art. 
Who do you know in your life that really genuinely listens to what you have to say and is interested in you and concerned about you? Who do we have in our lives that are that way? The church, if ever there is a place where people ought to treat each other that way, the church ought to be it. Proverbs 18, verse 24, whoever has friends must himself be friendly, the Bible says. That's the New King James translation. He who would have friends must himself be friendly. Next, as we think about statements concerning friendship, it's an investment, yes, and good friends can help us grow. When I talk about friends being an underappreciated blessing, and when I talk about how God can, in his providence, bring into our lives people, and if you've lived any, any amount of time in this world, you know friends come and go sometimes because of geography, because of different interests, because of just life happening. Sometimes friends grow apart. Sometimes we don't walk together anymore. That happens with all friends eventually. But good friends, while we have them, can help us to grow spiritually. Proverbs 27, 17. Open your Bibles there if you would. Look at what the scripture says. We'll look at a couple of Proverbs here. Proverbs 27, verse 17. The apostle Paul was talking to his brethren in Philippi and he was saying, I thank my God on every remembrance of you. I'm glad that you love me and I love you too. And I'm grateful for our fellowship in the gospel and the work we do together. They were friends. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And the idea, the message here is this. There are some things that people who love us can say to us and can, and, can, and can bless us with that maybe nobody else could. A man sharpens the countenance of his friend. When you really know somebody and you know they care, they might be able to tell you something that you wouldn't listen to just anybody say. They can help us grow. David had Jonathan, didn't he, early in his life. When Saul was chasing David and trying to kill him at every turn, David had Jonathan, a true friend, who was watching out for him and praying for him. Elijah had Elisha. Elijah got so depressed and so despondent at one time, he asked God to take his life. And it was in that very next vein, in that very next chapter in 1 Kings 19, that God told Elijah to go and anoint Elisha because he was going to be his understudy. He was going to be the next prophet. 1 Kings 19, verse 21, and Elisha became a comfort and a friend to Elijah. You look in the Bible and you find all kinds of friends, Naomi and Ruth. Two ladies, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, different ages, different places in life, different cultures and backgrounds, which is interesting. Ruth came from Moab. She was not an Israelite. But Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's friendship. And Ruth was a tremendous blessing to Naomi when you read that book, wasn't she? You think about friends in the Bible. We talked about Jesus and some of his apostles. By the way, Jesus had other friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Read John chapter 11, verses one through three. Mary and Martha, they loved Jesus. Every time Jesus would come to Bethany, he would stay at their house. And when Lazarus died, they expected Jesus would make a beeline to come and help Lazarus to recover from his sickness. They were really disappointed when Jesus waited four days in John chapter 11 because they were friends. Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was the guy, if you remember, 
who took Paul under his wing when nobody else would even give Paul the time of day and he brought Paul to the church service and he said to his brethren, this man Paul, I know he was persecuting us earlier, but he's now obeyed the gospel. And I wanna tell you, he's a sincere Christian. Don't we want friends like that? Paul and Barnabas, what a blessing they were to each other. When you stop and think about the friends that have been really interested in your soul and really interested in helping you go to heaven one day, how we ought to get on our knees and thank God for the blessing of people like that. We need more friendships among the people of God. Next, number three, evil friends can corrupt us. And the Bible makes no bones about this. Be careful the friends you pick. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Open your Bibles there. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man. With a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Can I just be really practical with you about Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25? There are some people who build a friendship on the negative. They become friends precisely because they both despise something else or someone else. And we become friends and it's all about what so-and-so has done wrong or the circumstances and how bad they are. And we gripe and we complain and we are angry in our spirits. And we enjoy being angry together. And there are some friendships that are based on that kind of foundation. That's what Proverbs is saying don't do. If you recognize that you have friends like that, you've got one of two options. Number one, do not go with that person anymore, Proverbs 22, verse 24. Option number two, try to change the basis of your friendship. Talk to your friend and say, listen, we're not gonna base our friendship on griping and complaining anymore. That's not gonna be what we're about. And if that's what you wanna continue doing, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to find better things to do. Proverbs tells us evil friends can corrupt us. We need to be careful. Go back to Proverbs 12 and verse 26 and look at what the scripture says. Proverbs 12 and verse 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Choose your friends by the good things they do. That is some of the best advice I've ever received in my entire life. Choose your friends by the good things they do. When you see somebody doing good, when you see somebody that's interested in righteousness and godliness, choose that person as your friend. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. May we all be careful in how we choose our friends. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. The Apostle Paul is talking about some false teachings that are going around in the church, and he says, do not be deceived. Evil companions corrupt good morals. What does that mean? When I associate with people that I know are involved in evil and that I know want to influence me for evil, when I associate with people like that, they're going to find avenues to, to corrupt me. 
Well, what are you saying, John? Are you saying that we got we to pick only friends who are Christians and we can only be friends with people who are really interested in spiritual things? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this, and what the Bible's saying is this. We need to do some serious thinking in all of our lives about the influence that our friends have on us. Because I guarantee in every relationship that you and I have with another person, somebody is influencing somebody else. And the question I've got to ask myself is this, is the person that I'm friends with influencing me to do wrong, or am I as a Christian, a child of God, influencing them to do what's right? Which is it? Because there is no door number three. Which is it? Choose your friends by the good things they do and encourage those who are outside of Christ. Encourage them to come closer to a relationship with God. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, did he not? Luke 15 verses one and two. I would suspect that some of those people looked at Jesus and they talked to him and they found in him someone who would be their friend. But I guarantee you this, Jesus always made sure that he was the salt and that he was the light and that he was the influence that he wanted to be in their lives. He did not allow them to influence him to do evil. In him there was no sin, Hebrews 4 verse 15. Find some friends who set their minds on things above and not on things of this earth, Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Find some friends who are interested in walking the narrow way that leads to life that's difficult to find and few there are that find it. Find some friends that are interested in that. And God can bless our lives by making that investment. Next, number four. As we think about the subject of friendship and the underappreciated blessing of friendship, may it never leave our consciousness, no matter how good a friend you have, no matter how close and how dear and how, how, how like peas in a pod you are, you'll never find anybody who's a better friend to you than Jesus, ever. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. And then he went on in John 15, 14 and said, and you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Think about that. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Nobody else has ever done that. Not for me personally. If we think about Jesus being our dearest friend, there are so many ways to go with this thought. There are so many things to praise God for when it comes to Jesus being our dearest friend. You think about his generosity. It's nice to have friends who are generous at times. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through him might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Talk about generosity, things he didn't have to do for us. When you think about Jesus being our dearest friend, his kindness, he went about doing good. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. I want friends who are kind, don't you? Friends who are interested in showing actively that they love me, that they're concerned about. I want friends like that. I would suspect you do too. Jesus Christ cares more than anybody else about you. In 1 Peter 5 verse 7, the Bible says we are to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. He is loyal. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Think about that. Other friends, there may be a deal breaker. There may be a limit. There may be a move that happens and nobody expected it. And they're on the other side of the country, the other side of the world. And all of a sudden, our friendship starts to dwindle. But not Jesus. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, verse 20. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 that we talked about this morning. He is exceedingly wise. The words that I have spoken will judge you at the last day. John 12, verse 48. He shows us how to live the abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. There are a lot of times when I'll go to friends of mine and I will ask for advice. I will ask for counsel. I will ask for wisdom. And I'm thankful for the wisdom that my friends can provide. I know you are too for your friends. But nobody gives better counsel, gives better advice than our Lord. He is our dearest friend. We ought to be thankful for that. Number five. When I preach a sermon like this, I'm acutely aware of the fact that everybody wants what I'm talking about. We want friends. We want people who love us. We want people who stand with us. Somebody said friendship is having somebody who knows you and loves you anyway. That's probably a good way to think about it. Somebody who knows us well and loves us in spite of that. That's what a friend is. I want friends like that. But, and here's the thing that every one of us has to grapple with. If friendship really is an investment, that was our first point, then what God really wants from me is he wants me to practice Matthew 7, verse 12. What does Matthew 7, verse 12 say? It's the golden rule. Whatever you would have men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You want friends? You be friendly to others. You invest in them to the glory of God. And you know what? Sometimes, practically, sometimes personality-wise or, or life circumstances-wise, sometimes you just don't click. And you can build an affinity in a relationship, but maybe just not much of a friendship. And that's okay. Don't give up the ship. Don't stop. Continue to invest in other people's lives. Pray about this. God, help me to be a friend to other people, to your glory, so that I can help people and so that I can have the kind of relationships that I see Jesus having with his apostles and that I see Paul and Barnabas and Ruth and Naomi having. God, I need those kinds of things in my life too. You think that's the kind of prayer that God's going to say, don't think I'm going to answer that. When we pray that repeatedly and fervently, James 5, 16, pray about this and invest in people's lives. True friends love at all times. Proverbs 17, verse 17. True friends know us and love us anyway. Acts 9, 26 and 27, there's Barnabas taking Saul of Tarsus, the former blasphemer and persecutor of the church, to introduce him to his brethren. And it was Paul of, Saul of Tarsus who would later write, I thank my God on every remembrance of you, wasn't it? The gospel does amazing things in our lives and it opens amazing doors to relationships with other people if we will just invest to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. Here's my challenge, having talked about friendship for a few minutes tonight. My challenge is this. Think about the investment that you would like to make in somebody else's life. Pray about that. Find some ways to involve yourself in a time, in an interest with somebody else. And here's an extra special twist on that challenge. Think about investing as a friend 
in the life of somebody who maybe doesn't look like you. Maybe somebody who does have gray hair and you don't. Maybe somebody who has a different skin color than you. Maybe somebody who is at a completely different point in life than you are. You've got kids at home, they're empty nesters. Someone who's a young person in our youth group. We all need friendships and the gospel provides the kind of relationships that cross boundaries of age and ethnicity and language. The gospel helps us to see that we are one in Christ because of the cross and because of the great sacrifice that he made for us. And every single one of us ought to be grateful for the cross because not only did it save us from our sin, but it reconciled us to each other. That's what Ephesians 2 teaches. It brought us together as a family. And even families ought to be friends. Not all families are, but even families ought to pursue friendship. It's an underappreciated blessing. Thank you for your attention this evening. Get your songbooks and open to the song that Michael announced just a minute ago. If you're ready to obey the gospel and we can help you with that, or if we can help you by praying with you and praying for you, we're going to offer heaven's invitation at this time. Won't you come all together we stand and while we sing?